Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey everybody, it's Adam. Welcome to episode 470 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast by Overdrive. Uh, no Jill today. She is off house hunting, which is a thing that it's like high stakes poker right now. Where like if you see a house you like, you have to go see if you can put an offer in immediately because no one's selling houses. So the nice ones, they go fast. Um, but I do have Kristen and Emma, who I think Emma's been on somewhat recently, but it's been a while for Kristen. But first off, hi, ladies. How, hello. Hi. Yeah. Um, going I know well. How are you? I'm fine. Whatever. Who kids? Whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I feel like every email that I get now from our publishing friends or anyone, like no longer do people say, I hope you're doing well. It's like, it's like Danny DeVito on that episode of It's Always Sunny. It's like, can I offer you an egg in these trying times? It's like, I feel like their emails are just like, can I offer you a book recommendation in these trying times? Which is But yeah, we're just going to do a real casual Thursday little, it's not even a round table. What day is it? (laughs) Well, today is Wednesday. Okay, you, we're recording I, on a Wednesday, but there you go. go up on Thursday. That's I um, question. have been one to confuse which day it is quite often recently. So for a minute, I was like, wait, am I working under the assumption it's the wrong day? <laughs> I super thought as soon as I said that and you kind of looked at me, I was like, wait, is it actually Tuesday? And I genuinely was concerned, I guess. But um, for everyone listening in, you've heard us do this a million times, but the books will be in the show notes, so you don't have to write them down. And if you want more recommendations, you can tweet us at ProBookNerds on Instagram or email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Um, yeah, we're just going to go around in a circle. Emma was making fun of Kristen because she's read so much. So we <laughs> have plenty. So we can just start with you, Kristen. If you want to pick, you can do books you have read, books you're currently reading, Literally no format today. We're just going to go. Oh, man. Uh, so many choices. Um, well, I'll start with what I'm currently reading. So I uh, I finally got Me and White Supremacy um, from the library. That was one that I really wanted to get a um, physical copy of it. Uh, and honestly, I really feel like I probably should have just bought a copy of it because uh, the premise of it is to kind of walk you through uh, and you journal day by day. So it's a 20 some odd day like journaling experience as you're reading through. Um, and so I'm like, a weekend, it's really a great book. It's a really great way to kind of get you to think about um, as a white person, how you contribute to uh, white supremacy and how to be a better ally for uh, your BIPOC neighbors. So uh, it's been really good. And I know a lot of people at our office have been reading it and have kind of started a club of, you know, kind of chatting about it with each other. So uh, that's what I'm working on now, along with, uh, I have a fun book in there as well, because I need to take, you know, some time for for me and make sure that, you know, I'm checking in with myself as well. So I'm reading uh, Really Truly by Heather Vogel Frederick. This is the third book in the Pumpkin Falls mystery series, which, yes, I know, I know. Pumpkin Falls, I was like, uh, obviously, I'm going to read that series. Uh, Adam is in on that, too. It's uh, a middle grade mystery series about a girl named Truly. And in the first book, she just moves with her family to this small town somewhere on, like, the East Coast. And uh, she makes friends and solves mysteries with her friends. And it's 
like a cozy mystery series for middle graders. It's really adorable. I like the characters. It's just a really fun one. And so in this latest one, it is summertime and uh, Truly family is having their uh, like family get together, big old shindig in her new small town. And there is a mystery, which I haven't gotten to yet. I'm very early on in this book. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's adorable. I love cozy mysteries and this is a cozy mystery for uh, middle graders. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm reading right now. Awesome. Sorry, no one else is going to be able to see this because we're on our Zoom video to see each other. But while Kristen was talking, Emma and I both showed each other our our dogs that are joining us (laughs) as well. Um, That was that probe nothing, but I was like, we're all giggling silently to ourselves. Because my dog started sneezing about mid Kristen talking, so I had to quickly mute and like shove him away. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I, Emma, you can go. You can, you can go <laughs> um, so for context, me making fun of Kristen and her reading 10 seconds ago was because I'm just jealous of her exquisite and wonderful readingness. That doesn't make any sense um, because my reading has been trash this year um, just because of like mental fatigue, I think. And also because I have a child under the age of one. Yeah. Uh, but I'm always happy to hear everyone's recommendations and add them to my ever-growing list. (laughs) Um, So the first book I want to talk about, we'll just get this out of the way because Adam groaned at me when I told him I was going to talk about it, Um, is Midnight Sun, ladies and gentlemen, um, by Stephanie Meyer. The fifth, I don't know why it's the fifth book because it's not. Um, but it's the fifth book of the Twilight Saga series, whatever. Wait, um, there's four of them? Mm-hmm. Twilight? Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. And, like, oh. also, I did need to relook that up because I am not, like, a complete loon. Not Twilight um, Head. <laughs> because I haven't read the books since, uh, probably since they came out originally in, like, mm-hmm. 2000 whatever um so yeah it's it's been a good long while since i've touched anything twilight um i think maybe like i don't know quarantine brain or something we saw this announcement way early in the year and i just went yep i shall read that um and it's it's different than i thought it would be um and i don't hate it And I'm just going to own that. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. And I really went into it with very low expectations because I'm, I'm old now. Um, and I read these books when I was still a a teen. Um, so yeah, I went in with very low expectations. Sometimes it's hard to read YA as an adult because the problems you just get really frustrated with because you're like, what do you mean? Just have a conversation. Um, (laughs) I kind of feel that way in this, uh, in that, from Edward's perspective, this is the whole first Twilight book from his perspective. So if you're looking for new dialogue, you shouldn't. It's literally exact same dialogue and conversations, but a lot of it um, is obviously from his like internal thoughts. And then what I do enjoy is there are snippets where he's obviously not with Bella and we get those pieces, which I do find interesting um, to get a little bit of the additional context or like when he's missing from the story, what was he doing? Um, I will say that this is not a short book. It is, I wrote it down because I have the book sitting next to me because I am cool and I bought it uh, because of impatience. But I also did put it on hold at the library because I love libraries. Um, (laughs) Midnight Sun is 658 pages. Oh, boy. 658 pages. So uh, what comes with that is, as long as I'm babbling about this book, gosh, I feel like I've been babbling for 658 pages, um, (laughs) is that a lot of Edward's thoughts are very, like, anxious, and he overthinks, um, which is certainly not... um, 
like it, it kind of seems fitting for 2020 that everything's just a little bit stressy. Um, yeah, I will say that this is definitely an interesting read. If you read the whole series, I, I would definitely check it out. Um, but if it's not something you are even casually aware of or care about, certainly do not spend 600 plus pages worth of time uh, reading what is essentially the same exact story. Um, but yeah, I'm not hating it. I'm, I'm digging it. It's going a little bit slow for me right now. And I don't know why I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens at the end. Uh, I know what happens at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like out of 2020, I feel like we've gotten uh, some interesting gifts in terms of things that I appreciated as a teen and we're now revisiting the series. I mean, earlier this year, we got um, the Suzanne Collins Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes return to kind of the Hunger Games. Here we're returning to Twilight. So honestly, I'm just waiting to see what uh, what series from the early 2000s uh, is ready to make a comeback in 2020. Got the girl. Ooh, see, I actually wouldn't hate that either. Yeah. Although we did find out, we did find out today uh, that, oh, I'm going to butcher her name. Cicely Von the author of Gossip Girl, Adam will put it in the thing, uh, has a new book coming out in the fall called Cobble Hill. And it's an adult book and it sounds uh, excellent. Oh, man. Yeah. Listen, I'm making faces at you. <laughs> But I know I'm in the minority in the sense that I also look at like Overdrive and Libby's most popular books that are borrowed and the new Twilight book is like in the first page, top of the list. So it's right. fine. I mean, yeah, you can't deny it. It's certainly buzzy and it's it certainly has its fan base. Listen, I would be hypocritical if I made fun of people for reading. I literally this morning on the podcast Twitter did a whole thread about like people should read what they want. Mm-hmm. That's what people want to read. That's totally fine. I'm not going to insult anybody. I wouldn't read three pages of Twilight. So I'm not going to read 600 pages. And that's <laughs> no. Okay. okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's move on from Twilight. They, she doesn't need our publicity anyway. There's, no. there's enough people reading it. Um, a couple of my books are going to be advanced <laughs> reader copies just because I feel like I talked about all the books that I have read that are out or they're going to be interviews with the authors for like a couple episodes. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to spend five minutes being like, you should read Ray Bearer because I'm, I did an interview with the author. Like it's delightful. You'll learn about it then. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is called Scritch Scratch, which is by Lindsay Keery. It's a middle grade horror um, I love horror in all shapes and sh- shapes and sizes. This is like a little bit spooky. It's almost like a goosebumpsy type of a book. Ooh. Um, so I'm actually I'm reading this and I'm listening to a very adult horror, which I'll get to later. But Scritch Scratch is um, so the main character's name is Claire, and she lives in Chicago. And her dad owns one of those tour buses that like takes people on tours through Chicago, but it's a spooky tour bus um, where it's called spirits and he takes everyone all around the like creepy parts of Chicago. Like this, uh, this place where there was not the great Chicago fire, but there was another fire where a theater burned down. Um, and it was almost like the Titanic in the sense where they were like, this theater can't be burned down, which is a wild thing to promote in your theater. feels like you're taunting. everybody. <laughs> um, and then, and then in reality, the theater itself was made basically like it was an actual tinderbox. Like they made, they cut so many corners so, and so many people die, like all these different places. And so she goes on this tour with her dad cause he needed help from her. And um, early on in the novel, you see that at the end of the tour, she sees this boy with these like spooky eyes sitting on the back of the bus and no one else can see. And it turns out he appears to be a ghost. And then like hijinks from there happen. And it's just one of those books where it's like, it's a middle grade 
So it's a, it's a little spooky. It's just like a cute amount of spooky. Like I just am enjoying it. But there are like legitimately like if I was reading this when I was like 11 or 12, I'd be like, ooh, that is creepy. But whereas Emma was talking about reading, I obviously read a ton of YA. Um, and while I understand people being like, they should just talk to each other. I also love when there's like a middle grade horror book or like YA, like one of the big plot plot points is like, I can't tell my parents because they won't believe me. Like, I love that that's just in so yeah. many children's books and it's wonderful. <laughs> and it's like, while it's ridiculous to think about as a 34 year old, it's so true in the sense of like, mm-hmm. I was 12 and I did something bad. I'm like, well, I can't tell my parents. Whereas in reality, if I just would have told them, it would have been fine. Um, but it's, this girl, not only is she dealing with this ghost thing, but she's also dealing with one of her friends who previously loved the science fair and stuff with her and is kind of growing out of that and getting a new friend who is teaching her about like makeup and all these things and like this, or it's almost like a mini coming of age tale as well. Um, it's just adorable. And it's like, so it's almost like, I use these as almost like palate cleansers. Like I said, I'm listening mm-hmm. to a horrifying audiobook that I'll get to in a bit. And it's like, <laughs> I'll listen to a bunch of that. And then before I go to bed, I'm like, I'm going to read this, the little spooky yeah. bit. So Scratch Scratch comes out, um, I think it's like September 1st. Yeah, September 1st. So it's a couple weeks away, but um, it's from Sourcebooks, I think. Um, yeah. And it's still- uh, I'm so excited about that title. We just had Sourcebooks gave us like a presentation of what they have coming out. And that was one of the books. And I immediately put it on my Goodreads. And I think I requested a digital arc of it because it's just right up my alley. Um, have you read any of Catherine Arden's middle grade, like horror series? Um, trying to remember. I would say, I love that you're looking back to see if you have the arc in your house because we were all- Yeah, I do. <laughs> I have not. Okay, uh, well, you should read Dead Voices is her latest one. And then um, I'm trying to remember her first one was So Small Spaces. And um, they take place in the same universe, same characters. Um, and Small Spaces is basically, again, another, this girl moves to a new town. It seems really cute. She's going on a field trip with her class. And all of a sudden, they're in the middle of a field. And weird things start happening. These scarecrows are, like, following her. Um, and so it, it goes from there and how she basically, like, other classmates start seeing this and they have to escape it. It's so good. And it's exactly what I would have wanted to read when I was, you know, 10 years old. And it's still what I want to read now that I'm 32 years old. So. <laughs> oh, I'm in, and I will tell you, by the way, Kristen, this is for anyone else, just for you. If you do go into our office at any point, I can confirm there are several copies of Scratch Scratch because it came in one of the source book boxes that we get like six of. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go into the office just for that. <laughs> Listen, there, there's that. There is the new Ryan LaSalle book, Bedazzled. There are copies of the new Marie Benedict book all about Agatha Christie. Um, there is a new Ooh. book coming out from the author of the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Harcastle. Stuart. Um, y- yes. Yes. Guys, those are all in our office because I know because there's a copy of them somewhere all in my house right now. Anyway. Oh, I love it. Um, so I have to ask Adam, I, and I think this is going to tie into another book you're listening to right now. Have you been on a bit of a horror kick lately? Yes. I feel like, like same here. And then uh, I recently talked to someone else who was like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I've been reading a lot of horror lately, which seems weird when you're like, oh, it's a pandemic, right? Now we just want to feel comforted. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, all I want is weird witches in the woods going after teenagers. Like- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, I actually talked about this in our preview episode of August books, because like half of my books that I recommended that are coming out in August were like, horror and Jill even looked at my like we were talking about it afterwards she's like you had so many horror books and I said it I was like in my mind August is like when school starts and in my mind that's like oh well fall is coming so August is basically September and September is basically Halloween so (laughs) from literally from like now until the end of October I will read mostly horror and then in November and December I'll get into like those like like wintry fantasy type of a transition but yeah I um I just re and she was on the podcast, but I just reread uh, the year of the witching by Alexis Henderson. It's speaking of uh, witches in 
Forest. I won't spend a lot of time because I talked to the actual author, but like that is one of the best books I've, I've I literally had a stack of advanced reader copies I should have been reading and I was like I'm gonna reread this book over the weekend just to give myself <laughs> so, um, but I'll go back to my next one in a, in a bit Kristen you can you can do some more some more bo- books that's spooky um well speaking of wanting cozy books as well uh I feel like rom-coms and just like there has been a real big trend in seeing uh, a lot of romances becoming more mainstream and uh I am not a huge romance reader but I'm definitely becoming more of one one of my yes Emma you have you have taken control and I am now definitely a romance reader so um worn you down Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I've just heard so much about some of these people in series that I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. Mm -hmm. And I am so happy I have. Um, This year, I have read everything that's out, which is only two books um, from, hold on, what is, oh, it's the League of Extraordinary Women series. Uh, These are by Evie Dunmore. The first book is Bringing Down the Duke. And the second book is A Rogue of One's Own, which, I mean, I, I love those titles. They're so just good. great. Um, and so these follow suffragettes in England. So it's like the turn of the century or so, that's 1800s going to 1900s. Um, and it's about these women who are trying to fight for the right for women to get the vote. And the first one is about... Um, a young woman who has just joined the cause and like her first day on the job, basically she's told to like hand out leaflets to guys around parliament. And the guy that she decides she got the gusto up to go up to ends up being like this big time Duke. And uh, he kind of like pushes her aside, but as things happen, they just keep running into each other and uh, they form a little, little bit of a bond and it's just it's adorable um and then the one I read most recently was bringing down oh no I'm sorry uh, a rogue of one's own and this one follows like the leader of this suffragette suffragette movement and um her like childhood nemesis who's now this big like playboy um and it's Basically, in this one, the suffragettes have bought a publishing house, which I was like, whoa, books, publishing, cool. Um, They bought this publishing house and are hoping to use it to kind of get the word out to, you know, housewives and things like that, that, hey, like, maybe your life isn't great or like, here's some stuff we can do. And the real thing is they want to get out all of these letters that they've been getting from women talking about, you know, I'm having issues at home and, you know, I'm being abused and uh, they want women to know that uh, it's not just a problem of uh, lower class women that, you know, even women from, you know, these high class households are having issues too. So uh, anyway, it is a love story uh, and it's just adorable. I really love this series. I think it's, awesome because right now it's the centennial of the 19th amendment in america uh but this just ties in really well with that as well so yeah those are the ones that i've read recently and really really adored emma what about you anything else on on your list this is i'm like we could have segued in two ways but we'll just segue off of like england and british people and such um i just started this book uh this week because it came out yesterday. So yeah, good job me. Uh, It's Finding Freedom, the Harry and Meghan uh, Duchess of Sussex, Duke and Duchess book. I really gave you that great title. Let me uh, actually give you the title. It's Finding Freedom, Harry and Meghan and the Making of a Modern Royal Family. Um, And this is written by two um, sort of royal reporters, because that's a thing that exists, um, you know, over in the UK. Um, and they kind of, these two reporters are very familiar with the royal family. They travel around on all the official press tours um, and things like that with them. So there is kind of a camaraderie there. And I do feel like um, hopefully this book will kind of get into some of the things that 
you don't normally get to see. I did hear, and I don't know if I'm making this up, that um, Megan and Harry did give some input to this book um, and kind of give it a thumbs up, whereas I don't think that they've commented or given any type of information to other books about them. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm very early days into it because it, my hold just came in from the library yesterday when this book was released. Um, but yeah, I, I really miss them, which is, a, I feel like a dumb thing to say, but since they stepped back from their royal duties, um, obviously we don't get as many updates and also because no one's doing anything right now in general. Um, so yeah, I'm really intrigued to just read more about them and get to know them hopefully more by this book. Uh, been a big Meghan Markle fan from the start. Um, and yeah, fun fact, I have the official, one of the official commemorative mugs from their wedding um, that I did pay an exorbitant amount to get to my house from England. So <laughs> uh, definitely a fan um, of the royal family. Feel free to take that as you will. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to read more about this and just see. I know that uh, these types of books are very, very popular in kind of digging into the personal lives of these big public figures. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where this one goes because uh, it might have actual input from the people that it's about. So very exciting and not at all, um, you know, cozy or horror-y. Um, but I'm intrigued nonetheless. <laughs> like a, it's like a, like a triforce of, rec of like some genres we got going here. Sorry, that's like the most Emma book of all time. As soon as you said what it was, I was like, oh boy, this is exactly what I was reading. Then. I mean, yeah, I like, I feel like all of my most basic level of interests are coming out in this one episode. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan. I can definitely attest to like following uh, you know, Meghan Markle's official wardrobe on her, like, royal tour uh, and things like that. And also, like, I had a baby in the same year that she had a baby. So, you know, we're basically the same. <laughs> um, no. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, this book, I'm really intrigued. It looks really good. And it's certainly a different read to everything else that I've been reading lately, yeah. um, you know, Midnight Sun and whatnot. Um but on a completely other tangent, because we were just talking about whatever we've been reading, and I yeah. feel like there's not really a rhyme or reason, maybe, at the moment. Um, I did also read Engagement and Espionage by Penny Reed, Penny Reed which, yeah. again, once an episode. will I go a single episode without mentioning Penny Reed? Probably not. Um, but she has books out all the time, so it's yeah. not like it's the same, I'm recommending the same book to people again and again. This is new. Um, it did come out in July. This is the first book of the Solving for Pi, Cletus and Jen Cozy Mystery series, um, which are, there's, are two characters from the Winston Brothers series, which I have mentioned and will not talk about again. <laughs> Adam is like losing it, laughing Solving at me. Solving for Pi! I love that um, so much! <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, this book follows Cletus and Jen, um, but it is a standalone kind of like series. It's cozy. So you definitely don't have to be into romance to perhaps check out this series. Although I will say, true to form, there are some like nice moments of, you know, romancy things. Smoochin'. Smoochin', some snuggles. Um, but yeah, so basically this book follows uh, Jen and Cletus kind of in their hometown in Green Valley, Tennessee, and um, this is kind of a morbid premise, but it is a mystery. There's a bunch of chickens at a local farm where Jen gets her eggs uh, for her bakery that she owns. So, you know, we've got a, a hometown bakery, we've got a farm, um, some elements of cozy, and uh, someone has murdered a bunch of these chickens, which is not great. Uh, and thus begins the- Exactly. Um, murders a bunch of chickens, which is horrifying. And we have a, a mystery on our hands. Um, as other weird disasters seem to keep happening all over town with other local farms, um, there's like a fire, there's 
some other nefarious things without giving too much away. And all of this is hampering Cletus and Jen from spending any time together um, or just doing anything because all of these disasters keep popping up all over town, pulling their attention. Um, and obviously they must be solved. So is it sabotage? Is it something else? Uh, I promise it all ties in and is a nice, um, I would say cozy mystery. It's not quite as cozy as I might have thought, um, but it's, it was really enjoyable. It kind of has all of the familiar things I really like from a Penny Reed romance. Um, obviously without maybe that straight up boy meets girl kind of plot. Um, but yeah, it's really good. There will be two more books in this series. The next one comes out, I think, in January. I'm totally making that up. Uh, it comes out next year. Um, so I'm definitely intrigued to see where this cozy mystery goes and who doesn't love solving mysteries for pie. <laughs> I like that uh, it's not a murdered human. I feel like that's always something that's like, oh, you know, a cozy mystery, but there's like always a dead body. And this time it's just dead chicken bodies. So. Yeah, exactly. There are just kind of like other nefarious types of crimes uh, that they're just trying to solve, which I, outside of romance, do read a lot of like traditional mystery thriller. And obviously a lot of the catalyst for those stories is straight up murder. Um, so yeah, this was definitely more cozy kind of murder light, which is Probably a terrible description. Um. Uh, well, I have a murder-heavy book, but this is me saying we're going to take a quick break so that I remember where to put an ad read. It's going to be right here. Every year, millions across the globe suffer from easily preventable diseases. This year, because of coronavirus, more people will be in need than ever. If you're in a position to give and want to help, Try to support charities where your donation can save and improve lives the most. That's the mission of GiveWell.org. For over 10 years, GiveWell.org has helped donors find the charities and projects that save and improve lives most per dollar. And here's how. GiveWell dedicates over 20,000 hours a year researching charitable organizations and handpicks a small set of the highest impact evidence-backed charities. GiveWell isn't asking for your donations for themselves. They're asking that you give to the amazing charities they recommend, like Helen Keller International and Against Malaria Foundation. Plus, GiveWell takes no fees, so all of your tax-deductible donation will be used to help others. When we found out that GiveWell was going to jump on to the podcast as a sponsor, I was so excited because I, like so many people I know, are always just a little bit unsure of you know, while I'm donating my money and time, hoping that it's going to the right places and just having that peace of mind to know that everything that I'm donating is going towards not only the foundations and the charities that I want them to, but it's going to the places that can both save and improve lives the most. If you want to have even more impact, donate soon. Any of our listeners who become new GiveWell donors will have their first donation matched up to $100 when you go to givewell.org slash probooknerds and select podcast and probooknerds at checkout. That's for any of our listeners, again, to be, if you become a new GiveWell donor and you have your first donation matched up to $100, go to givewell.org slash probooknerds and select podcast and professional book nerds at checkout. This matching offer is good for as long as funds last. Get your, your first donation matched up to $100 when you go to givewell.org slash probooknerds and select podcast and professional book nerds at checkout. And we're back. That was an ad read that I just did. <laughs> oh, the magic of editing. Um, yeah. So let's keep talking about murder. Uh, I am listening to <laughs> The Shadows by Alex North. Oh, uh, yeah, Alex North wrote The Whisper Man, which was super dark as well. Um, I kind of knew what I was getting into when I downloaded this one. I've, I, I downloaded it yesterday. It's a 
nine and a half hour audiobook. I am seven hours in after like a day and a half of listening. So wow. yes, to answer your question, I did have weird dreams last night. Um, <laughs> so this follows the, there's two main characters. Uh, the first one is Paul and he is very much a, like he's a kind of like the main driving person, but then there's also this secondary narrator named Amanda, who's a detective. Um, what happened is that there was a murder that took place and there was this main character, there's a character named Crabtree who was, you can probably hear dogs in the background here. Um, great, thanks guys. Uh, there's this character named Crabtree and he murdered this person. You don't really know who it is right early on, but the weird creepiness that happens is there's this group of four friends 25 years ago and Paul was one of them and Crabtree was another and they work on this thing called lucid dreaming where they all are having the same dreams and they're all in each other's dreams and they're all aware that they're dreaming and so they end up meeting this guy named Red Hands who's this like ghost that no one's super sure if they exist except for Crabtree who's like totally like oh no I am connected to this ghost and he can do our biddings and they decide that they want to murder someone and by murdering them they'll be able to go to this like mysterious plane of existence with this ghost um the wild thing that happens is that early on crabtree actually carries out this murder in a very specific way and then disappears off the face of the earth and so this paul who was a part of the group but wasn't a part of the like murder scheme it tries to forget all of it and then it's jumping back and forth between what happened 25 years ago and then tw and then now when Paul's back in his hometown because his mom is um, really sick and she's in hospice and he's not only dealing with that but he's also like coming to terms with all these things and he's comes to find out that there's been a whole bunch of uh, copycat murders just like the one that his friend Crabtree did because there's this online forum of these people that are like here's what happened and here's how it actually worked. And because they never found this crab tree, people assume like, oh, this is a real thing. And so there's tons of creepy, dark stuff that happens. And um, trigger warning for just like upsetting murder description, I guess. I don't know like how else to describe it. Cause it's not like you didn't, you don't really hear about the violence when it's happening, but you come into the murder scenes and then they give you a pretty graphic detail of like, here's exactly what this murder scene looks like. And it's like, I should put down this protein bar I'm eating right now. Cause it's not a good time. So if you don't like hearing about like grotesque thing descriptions, it's a little rough, but like, man, it is, like I said, I'm two thirds of the way through it. And I, I literally have no idea what the resolution is going to be, or even like a, and like an inkling of where this book is going. So it's really, really amazing. There's all these like creepy, there's like creepy dolls that are involved and there's like creepy little handprints that are left everywhere. They're like red bloody handprints. There's just like, it has all of the, aspects of a really really creepy horror but it's definitely like this is not horror light this is like horror heavy for horror sure light. yeah uh so what you're saying is i need to read it <laughs> yeah like we you know how some people are like oh this is a good book to like an introduction to science fiction and there's like hard science fiction there's like hard horror this is like mm -hmm. do not read this book unless you are an, an enjoyer of horror but i am and so yeah um the shadows by by Alex North is super good. So uh, Chris and I assume you have one just as dark as that as you want to talk about. Oh man, uh, I actually have a couple. So I got, yeah, a little bit on the horror kick and I did uh, The Only Good Indian <gasps> by, have you read it? I want to talk about it for six hours, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry, I have to find the, uh, it's Stephen Graham Jones. Um, and yeah, it was just, you know, I, this is a book I walked into kind of being like, I really don't know what this is about, but I think it's horror. And uh, this is one that is definitely not like hard horror, I would say. Um, there is some like weird kind of paranormal stuff that's happening. Uh, the book starts with these four friends, I believe it is. Uh, who are going on a hunt. It's the end of the season. And um, they end up going into uh, like the elder territory on their reservation uh, and hunting this group of elk. And um, so one of the elk that they kill is uh, this uh, female and turns out she was pregnant. And so then we jump to like years later where, uh, one of the guys 
uh, has like moved off the reservation and it, it takes place and shows each of their stories and kind of how this one event has uh, kind of literally come back to haunt them. Uh, it was, yeah, talking about it, I'm just like, gosh, it was so good. It was just a very interesting premise and uh, an interesting look too at um, like red life and also just tradition, traditional like Indian ways uh, mixed in with kind of like the modern, what actual life is like for these guys and living on the reservation now. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yes, I felt the same way throughout this, where it's like you kind of start and you're like, oh, maybe this is gonna end. Oh, 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 mm -mm. yeah. So uh, that one was, I think the start of my like horror reading this year. No, never mind. Sorry, I, I just looked and I'm like, oh, I read Mexican Gothic earlier in the year. So, <laughs> but uh, the one I've read most recently, which has now like expanded my horror reading so much, is Monster She Wrote. Uh, this book is a few years old, and it is basically a uh, compendium, uh, not a compendium, a uh, but it's these two authors, Lisa Kroger and Melanie Anderson, uh, take a look at female writers who have basically pioneered the horror and speculative fiction genre. Uh, so you start off in like the, I don't know, like 1700s or something like that, looking at some very early uh, lady horror authors back then and uh, move into present day. And I love this book because it was broken down so beautifully into like, okay, so we're going to take a look at these female authors and they all kind of fit into this horror category. Um, and so it describes, you know, a little bit at the beginning of each chapter, what that category is. And then there's like a small couple page chapter on each female they're talking about. And I just love that. I think if you are a fan who is looking for more of an in-depth uh, look at these authors, this might be, uh, this might not satisfy that urge as much. But for me, who has just recently started getting into the horror genre, just these little snippets into who these females were, um, you know, what they were writing about, how they lived uh, was just so interesting. Uh, it's really great. I loved this book so much. I flew through it. And yeah, I expanded my TBR list by like 100 books. So yeah, if you don't want to have a super long to be read book or list, then uh, maybe maybe skip this one for now. But honestly, such a good read. I loved it. Yeah, it's um, it's sort of like, like you were talking about how we are very fortunate at Overdrive. We get publishers that present us like literally right before this. I think all of us were on a call with a publisher who basically presented their fall catalog to us. So, like we know before people, else, it's great. This book is like a perfect version of that. Where if you are someone who says like, oh, I love Shirley Jackson or like Frankenstein is my favorite book ever, and I just wish there was more people out there like Mary Shelley. This is such a. It's almost like a lookbook where it's like hey, do you like this particular type of book? Here are four other authors. Here's a little bit about their lives. Here's what they wrote. And then you can go find it. Yeah, it is such a, it's like a scholastic catalog you get as a kid, like, but it's that for female horror. It's amazing. Yes. yes, so good, loved it. And just like beautiful as well. There are like little drawings throughout it. It's the most fun. I loved this book. It's one of my favorite ones of the year, even though uh, I think it came out maybe last year, but yeah, whatever. Um, Emma, do you have one more you want to do? I can talk about one more if we have a minute. Yeah. Um, so not at all related to anything even remotely creepy. Uh, we'll just do a complete 180. Yeah. Um, the it's other really book I have... Writer. Um, on my shelf to read um, because I did this really good thing where I checked out a bunch of um, things from the library and then was like, oh darn, like why did I do this all at once? 
um, in my excitement. I was like, ooh, borrow, ooh, borrow. And now I'm just like, wait. <laughs> um, but the one of the books that I'm hoping to get to um, shortly is Code of Conduct by April White. Um, so this is part of the new Cypher Security series. Uh, this is the first book. This is a romance with a dash of suspense. Um, it is a contemporary romance, which is kind of my uh, preference with the romance. Um, but this follows a private investigator and a security expert uh, who are on opposite sides of things at the start of the book. Um, they're actually hired by like opposing clients. Um, so the private investigator is hired by um, this woman who's trying to get money from her husband. I think they're separated. I don't know the details. Um, and on the other side of that, that husband has hired the security expert uh, because someone has gotten his money. Um, and so you kind of have these two characters who are on opposite ends um, of this situation and things get a little bit more interesting when the wife goes missing. Um, so yeah, it is a full length romance. I get the impression that this is kind of an enemies to lovers style. Um, only time will tell when I read it. Um, but yeah, it sounds, it just sounds really nice um, because it does have that good mix of maybe some suspense, um, but also I'm hoping uh, a nice kind of ending as you can expect from a romance. Um, this book had a starred review from Publishers Weekly um, so of course, as a library nerd, that's a, that's a notable thing to look out for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just sounds, it sounds like a really good book and perhaps will be a nice, uh, palette cleanse after I read some of the other things that I read. Um, and now that I have 700 horror books on my Goodreads <laughs> to read shelf, um, yeah, I might need some extra romance staggered in between. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one more. It's not really, I wouldn't call it straight horror, but, um, and this one doesn't come out till October, but I don't care. I want to talk about it. I've been like holding a copy of it for so long and I just can't not talk about it anymore. Uh, the, the Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow, who wrote 10,000 Doors of January. Oh. Uh, yeah, they are fabulous. So this is a book about three sisters who are witches and it's in 1893 and they're in a place called New Salem. And each of the sisters has their own stories and it's told in rotating chapter narration. So like each sister gets their own uh, narrative voice and they're very different, but it's told in a time when uh, they are all dealing with um, suffragists. So there's, they're trying to get the women's right to vote. And it's just this like really interesting time because witches are well, like they're known to exist and every female in this whole world has like, there's words that they are taught as children by their, from their mothers. Like they each have like mother's names, like the actual like witch name that they use. And then there's like their standard name that's okay that other people can use too. But like they each have like basically words that they all know. And so they come together in this, um, like this kind of woman's movement, but it's all of these different women who, whether they are act true witches or like just have witches words, like they're almost like building a book of like spells and things to show off their power. And, but at the same time, there's also, um, I have a dog that's going under a blanket right now. Uh, at the same <laughs> time, there is uh, this, like these evil witches that might be coming back. And there's just, there's so much going on. And at the same time, they're also being like, kind of hunted by these people who are very against witches. And because of the fact that like, in old Salem, witches were burned at the stake. Like, it's like, we want to show that we are for women's movement and that we are powerful witches, but also we have to be careful to say who we are because it could strike against us. But um, Alex Ihero is just such an incredible storyteller in this world that she, she builds is phenomenal. So it, it's, it doesn't come out until October. I'm efforting to have her on the podcast because I loved 10,000 Doors of January. And now I also love this so much. Um, and they're both from Orbit, who I happen to have a, a wonderful contact at. But um, yeah. Once in Future Witches 
is amazing. So, um, Kristen, you want to talk about one more before we go? Yeah, always. Now I'm like looking at my list being like, what have I read? What do I want? Oh, okay. Um, I feel like I've been talking about horror and middle grade novels. So I'm, I guess that there was some romance in there. But uh, the last one I'm going to talk about is one of my absolute favorite authors came out with a middle grade graphic novel this year. Um, and that is Lucy Nicely. And her book is Stepping Stones. Uh, it's, I think, going to be a series, uh, but it is about Jen, whose mom is uh, dating or, no, I think dating, they might have just gotten married uh, to this new guy, and so she is moving from New York City to this little town in, like, Vermont or something like that, so she's leaving the city going to a small town where her mom and her stepdad are very much into farming. And so her summer is made up of doing farm chores and then having to work at the local farmer's market and then also having stepsisters, which is a really big deal for her because she's never had siblings before. Um, and I thought it was such a great book and especially uh, a topic that maybe is not talked about for this age group, which is uh, combining families and, you know, how do you deal with no longer kind of being the center of your parents' world anymore. Um, and it's adorable. It combines all the things I love about Lucy Nicely's writing, which is just uh, her honesty about situations, her beautiful drawings, um, and then just like she has a very sweet voice. Um, so it was really fun. I really loved that, you know, it started off and of course there are all these problems and in the end things kind of are looking so much better. So uh, I'll end on that book because that's a much nicer tone to end on than some of the horror we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of dark episode. It's okay. Twenty twenty, man. Rough. It's yeah. Rough. Uh, I feel like this could have been like a four-hour episode, but um, okay. As I mentioned way way at the beginning of this, uh, all those are in the show notes, um, which I will be editing because there's definitely some stuff I have to edit out here. Like apparently, my voice disappeared for a while. Um, <laughs> Emma and Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today, ladies. I miss you guys. Oh, thanks for having us. Miss seeing you guys in person. Yeah. It was so nice to talk books with you guys, though. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.